What's up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan, and I am the host of the Budget Trek Podcast. Before we get into the show, I want to talk about our sponsor. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world, scale their businesses, make more money, and build their networks with like-minded individuals. They have weekly mastermind calls featuring top business leaders, online courses, and amazing entrepreneur events all over the country, which teach entrepreneurs how to go from zero to six figures. If you're interested in learning more about SocialX, go to socialxevents.com and tell them you came from the Budget Trek podcast. Now, on to the show. Today, we have a very special guest, Mike Watts. He is the founder and CEO of Love Handle, the host of the Mike Watts Show. He's founded six startups with $50 million in sales. Mike, how's it going, man? Doing great, Brady. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I'm not sure you're how familiar you are with my content, but I'll give you a little rundown of how Budget Trek started. So Budget Trek started as me and my wife's journey to get out of debt. It was just essentially going to be a podcast that I could keep myself accountable, be transparent, and kind of keep myself aware of my progress along the way to getting out of that debt. Well, along that path, it transformed into me wanting to use it as an educational platform to educate my audience on my struggles, my successes, but also through interviews with people like you, Mike. So Mikey, I've seen your content and you are a pure definition of success and always striving to be a better version of yourself. And we're going to dive into your story and how that relates to my overall message. But first, I'd like to start with a preliminary question. Mike, what is the dumbest purchase you have ever made? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, you know, it was, I, I would have to say, and a lot of it had to do with timing. Uh, but it was, uh, as soon as I got, uh, was a junior in college and got my offer letter from, I actually got recruited right from college to go work for the electric company in Houston. And I got my, it was, I think it was $37,000. They were offering me right out of school, uh, back in 1997 and date myself a little bit there, but they, mm -hmm. uh, they gave me that and I all of them, oh, I just felt rich. And I literally took that letter down, even though I wasn't graduating for another year, uh, took it down to the dealership and showed it to them. And, and they were able to lean on that well enough to, to qualify me for a loan for a brand new truck. Oh, wow. I uh, got me a Dodge Ram, which was my first mistake. And then uh, I, I, not only that, but I really had no idea how I was going to make these payments. I just knew that they would give me the money because I was rich now. And, uh, and I realized, you know, the next month when that, when that bill came in for $400 that uh, I didn't have $400 and I had to start. <laughs> now I had to come up with a way to make it. And I was getting sort of chased by the monster. And that was my first, uh, you know, experience with debt. And it, and it took me quite a while pay that off. I don't know exactly what my total amount that I paid, but I sure felt it every month that went by. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of resonates with me because, you know, I graduated college last May and it's crazy that you made 37,000 in the nineties because my salary starting out in 2018 was 45,000, which is not much more, but at the same time, not having that kind of money all through college, I felt rich and immediately went and got a new uh, Nissan Altima and you know, my, my car payment's like $330 a month, but it's like that first payment came out and I'm just like, wow, that's, that's a lot more money than I was thinking I was going to have to be paying on this car. And mm -hmm. that's a source of my debt today. So it, it's really a learning experience that money, 45,000 is not a lot of money, first of all. And second, don't make stupid purchases that you really can't afford in the future. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, it's really, it's not about how much you make. It's how much do you spend and how much do you save and invest uh, that really exactly. makes the difference. Exactly, exactly. So Mike, I, I priorly gave a 30,000 foot view into who you are, but let's dig a little deeper. Tell us your story, how Love Handle got started. Yeah, well, it's it's been a long road for me. And uh, I'll just kind of give you the, the, the quick hit as I went through, uh, I've, I think I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, but like I said, I did take a regular job uh, out of college and um, got my issued my cubicle in downtown Houston. And yeah, I, I actually worked there for a total of eight years. Um, but it was just always so frustrating that uh, being in corporate America, I would get that 3% raise, which I think is reflected in what you said is that that lack of increase in starting salaries. And, you know, they're just, there's a, there's a, there's a real ceiling uh, in these large corporations that uh, I just kept bumping up against no matter how much effort I put into it. It just always frustrated me that I, I didn't feel like that there was, there was more month than there was money. And a lot of that also had to do with, I wasn't quite educated on how to spend my money wisely, but that said, uh, my, our first son was born in the year 2000 and my wife bought me a, a copy of the book, rich dad, poor dad. And it really changed the direction of my life because I started to understand how money works and uh, what it meant to be an employee versus a business owner and investor self-employed and, uh, what assets and uh, liabilities were. And I realized that if, if we were going to meet the goal that we had internally of being able to have her stay home, uh, with our kids and invest time into our, our kids. Um, and we en ended up homeschooling our kids later on, but, um, we had to make that investment. So we needed to come up with more money because she had been working up to that point. And, um, so we started hustling on the side, trying to find a way to make a dollar. Uh, we started doing home and garden shows and just, uh, buying and reselling products, uh, whatever it was. And one of our very first ones was, a these water absorbing crystals that we'd bag up that would grow. You could grow plants out of them. You can mix them in your soil. You know, if the water is often great for flower arrangements. And we, we created our first brand called rain sorb sold that, uh, you know, here and there, my, had my two year old, uh, at the time, because this was kind of a couple of years as we went through this process and learning how to be entrepreneurs better. We put, I had a two year old under there watching, uh, videos, uh, under the table at the trade show and people will be standing around on the other side, not even aware there's a, there's a kid under there and I'm over there doing the pitch with the lights and cameras and uh, microphone. And my wife's over there kind of taking the money and we would do the Houston home and garden show. And then we traveled and started doing the Fort Worth and Dallas and Austin and Oklahoma city and further out we went. And um, so we kind of started doing that and then we started cycling through products. And the frustrating thing was that we, uh, we never had any products that we could protect. Um, it was always one of those situations where we would uh, one weekend we would do good. And the next weekend somebody had seen us at the last show. Uh, and so they would be there with the same product. They would go around our supplier and find a competing product or the exact same product. And, and so I was on the hunt for something I could protect. And uh, I ran across a guy named Orlando who had uh, invented the world's greatest weed eater head. And uh, I simplify the whole story, but uh, fast forward a bit, we worked out a license deal with him and uh, decided to go ahead and push all our chips into that basket. That was over like a four or five year period. And so by the fifth year, we now had three children and uh, we made the decision to leave corporate America and all the security that came with that to 
took all our chips and put them in the middle uh, with this idea and partnered up with my father and, and my parents. And we took uh, that product over the next six years to be the number one selling aftermarket weed eater head in the world. We sold the, we had infomercials and we sold them all over Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, all over the world even. And then we sold the company in 2011 uh, for just over $6 million and really thought that, you know, I was done. Like I just end all be all, I'd, I'd made it. But, uh, you know, and then I made, did make some good financial decisions at that point. And I took those, all that, those proceeds and rather than, and some of it was fear-based. You know, do you put it in the bank? What do you do with this money? And I only got a small piece of it because we had sold shares. But um, I ended up buying a bunch of real estate. It was a bunch of foreclosures and short sales out there and bought a bunch of rent houses and remodeled them and created the cash flow that I would need to then eventually um, work for free for the next four years with no income other than rent income. And, uh, and as I started the, the Love Handle Company, which today has grown to the tune of uh, 38 full-time employees, um, we're, uh, we're right now in about 2,000 retail stores, but next uh, spring we should be in up to about 10,000, including Walmart, uh, Academy Sports, and on and on. And uh, we do all of our manufacturing here in the U.S. We make, uh, in case any of you guys don't know, the Love Handle is a, it's a real low-profile smartphone grip. And so if you've ever seen kind of the different products people stick on the back of their phones, um, this is one that's actually designed to be a grip. So it's soft, comfortable, it's made from uh, American made elastic. And we print whatever logo or print or design or pattern that uh, somebody wants. And uh, it's got a really strong 3M adhesive that we buy from 3M in Minnesota. And then we've built all the automation equipment here in Texas to be able to manufacture up to 50,000 units every single day. And so to, to go through the process of uh, getting back into the game with another entrepreneurial startup uh, and to be to where we're at right now has been quite the journey. And so I feel called to sort of tell that story to, to other aspiring entrepreneurs to give them hope. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of war stories along the way that got us there and a lot of good decisions and a whole bunch of bad ones. But, uh, you know, perseverance pays off. And, uh, and I think we're in a good position to, to really create a, a a real brand name and a company that's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. That, that, there's a lot there and that's awesome. You know, that that's a, that really is the persona of an entrepreneur spirit. I feel like, because, you know, I'm in corporate America right now. And like you said, it's really comfortable and there's a lot of benefits that come with being in corporate America, but you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and getting comfortable with being outside of your comfort zone is what really pushes success to its limits. And it seems like you've done that. So uh, very commendable. And that's, it's very, it's an honor talking to you, Mike. And I really want to dive into, to this one uh, point that I saw. So, so I was researching you online as probably others do, but I was, yeah. I was trying to figure out, you know, like what left handle was. I, I, I had heard somewhere where left handle was somehow affiliated with Shark Tank and Damon John. So how did that all happen? Because it, when, the more I read, it looked like your pitch on Shark Tank was declined twice. Mm -hmm. And then Damon John's company purchased some of your products and then the rest is history. So kind of, kind of tell that story from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I appreciate that opportunity to tell the story, Brady, because to me, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think it didn't work out the way I thought it 
was going to work out or the way I had envisioned and had written all my goals and was very vocal about this is the way it's going to go down because I'm manifesting it. And, uh, uh, we, you know, we auditioned twice for shark tank. Uh, as soon as shark tank came out, I was a huge fan. Uh, I think a lot of probably your listeners are, and a lot of America is number one show actually that was watched by families, uh, together, parents and children, uh, for many years, I think maybe still today. And so it's a great, I think it's a great testament to American ingenuity and, and the excitement that that creates in people. And so, uh, you know, we, we auditioned the first time at the consumer electronics show in Las Vegas, they had an open call and you could go, uh, go stand in line. And if you got in line early enough, you could get a wristband and then go in and pitch the producers and who were on site. And so we got, you know, I got there super early, got my wristband. We went and pitched producers they loved it they thought it was fantastic and uh, they're like this love handle thing is great um, we're going to put you through to the next round and so we went through the next round which was make your own video 10 to 15 minute long video show your passion show your energy you know and if you like in the early days of shark tank it was very like pitchy like heavy hard pitches and so that's kind of the way we did it high energy video that was a literally a 90 page application that had to be filled out in blue ink. Uh, so we filled all that out and uh, I was really excited because we actually had sales and I wasn't going to be one of those guys on Shark Tank that, that walks on set and doesn't and says, oh, we're pre-revenue and Mr. Wonderful then, you know, burns you to the ground for that. Right. Uh, I didn't want to be that guy. So I was excited. I felt like we had everything that it was going to take for success on TV. And I think that that's the little piece I forgot because uh, they emailed me back and said, sorry, uh, you didn't make it through to this round or to the next round, uh, but feel free to apply again next year. And so I did that same thing next year. We went to the same uh, scenario and it ended up with the same result. And so I was declined twice and really kind of frustrated. Now I, I really felt like I wanted to be on that show so bad. I wanted to be on the set of shark tank and uh, lo and behold, I'm watching my uh, website sales myself. And this is a tip for anyone out there that you got to, you know, put in the extra hours and, and be in the weeds because I was in there and I had people to do this, but I really wanted to know who's ordering my product. And I noticed this order came across the website from a company called the shark group. And I realized pretty quickly that the shark group is, it's a branding company that's based out of New York city and it's owned by Damon John. Damon was my dream shark. And I was just floored and I was like, Oh my goodness. And I looked and sure enough, there's a phone number on there. I was like, so I picked up the phone and I called, and I was and a young lady answered the phone and I said, how this is Mike Watts. Um, so you guys just placed an order on our website. Really appreciate it. Um, this is Damon John's company, right? And yeah, yeah, it's Damon's company. I said, uh, was well, he there? Can I talk to him? <laughs> and they said, no, no, you can't talk to him. But, uh, uh, I was like, well, this is awesome. So I got built a relationship with them. Well, the first thing I did is I started printing, uh, cause we can custom print these. So I made some for him with his book, The Power of Broke, that he had just come out with. And I sent a whole bunch of those that said The Power of Broke and then a bunch that said The Shark Group. And uh, next thing you know, everybody in the office is in love with it. And of course, again, they were already ordering it because Damon had got one at a trade ship from one of our other customers that had put one on his phone. And that's, the good, that's one of the big takeaways. If you're gonna start a company, one of the very most important things that you, if it's a product company, is that your product can't be good. Your product needs to be great. Right. I mean, great. 
Like, because you need the product to be selling when you're not there. If you have to spend your whole life selling, you're going to, it's going to spend a lot more effort than you really need to. But if you have a great product uh, that delivers value, then people will uh, come back and, and good things are going to happen. And that's exactly what this was. He had one on his phone. He told uh, his secretary to order it. They ordered it. And then I had now had this dialogue with them. And so now that they knew who I was, I know who they were. Everybody in the office is in love with it. Conversations just kind of came up and they were sitting on set one day um, watching pitches. And then backstage, um, Damon and his team were talking about the love handle going, man, none of these products we're seeing are as good as this love handle product. We really like it. We should, and there's so much to be done, you know, with branding and uh, licensing and, and we should, we should really reach back out to those guys and see if we can work with them. And so sure enough, the phone rings and it's Damon's team saying, Hey, Damon doesn't do this, but he'd really like to work with you. Um, he's been a fan of yours and the product now for a little while. And, uh, can't we work something out? And so we worked back and forth a little bit and it really wasn't about money. It was about all the extra value that somebody like him can bring mm -hmm. through the Rolodex and through contacts and introductions. And so we structured a deal that was creative around that. And because, you know, money's a tool, but money's not, you can't, you can't really put a price on, on that kind of access. So we made a great deal and uh, it took a few months to negotiate it out, but it's been, a couple years now and I've been uh, partnered up with Damon John. I have uh, been trying to add value back to him at every turn, every time he launches a book or has a speaking series or launches his podcast or whatever, I'm making product for him, I'm trying to promote him. And that's another piece of advice. You know, if you get an access to somebody like that, make sure you're adding value to them that you're not over asking from them all the time, something. And, uh, and then eventually when you do need something or when they have an opportunity to help you, they're going to do it. And so now the situation is I'm more like a family member to, to Damon and his team. Like they're very close knit. They've welcomed me into their family and, uh, and it's been great. It's been a win-win across the board. Um, he is a fantastic team in New York that we work with uh, all the time to help us get in retail, help us get on QVC, uh, home shopping network, good morning America, on and on and on meetings with CVS meetings with Walmart and so uh, it's been great. Uh, and, you know, he's coming to town uh, next month and we're supposed to be going fishing here in Houston. It's a big fisherman. And, and that kind of access to what would be my dream mentor would never have been possible had I not just been willing to put myself out there first and, uh, you know, be in the game. And, it, you know, yeah, it didn't happen the way I thought that I was going to go on the set and, and pitch the Sharks and make a deal with Damon that way. But in the end, it's so much better. We have a personal relationship and uh, he really is a mentor. I was just on a live, I uh, was watching a live on Instagram with him yesterday and he saw me there and he's like, give me a shout out and, um, you know, trying to encourage people to follow me and things like that. But it's just cool that somebody that's, cause he's still up, you know, he's, I think he's one of the most book public speakers in the country. Yeah. And um, so he's doing, I think the other day he was on 20 different stops in like eight days. So he's wow. all over the place uh, teaching entrepreneurship and really making his mark. He was the ambassador of entrepreneurship from um, Barack Obama. So he's the real deal and the most humble, hardworking guy I've ever met in the space. Um, he's probably the only one I can think that might outwork me. So <laughs> it's, a, it's been awesome and it's a great story to tell. And, and I'm, a, I'm a faithful guy. So, you know, 
the takeaway there is that um, just because things don't work uh, the way you think they're going to go, uh, that God might just have a much better plan and you just need to keep rolling with it. So, you know, it, it's crazy that you just ended with that because I was going to say the exact same thing. You know, I'm, I'm a faithful guy as well. And I believe that like God works in mysterious ways. And the fact that you were to climb from shark tank twice and you know, things still worked out in your favor with your dream shark. And now he's a mentor and, and a, you know, you know, a close friend. So it, it's just crazy how, things always work out in your favor when you're faithful. Yep. That's right. But you gotta, my dad always says you can't, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. Right. And you gotta do the work. Exactly. You gotta put in the work and stay faithful at the same time. Well, that's interesting. So, so with Damon, a part of love handle, where do you see love handle moving forward? Well, it's, it's funny because one of the best things you can do in product launches is to create a category something that didn't exist before uh, because then you have the opportunity to be first. Think back to like Coca-Cola, uh, right. you know, Pepsi and those guys that were sweet water with bubbles in it didn't exist. So, um, you know, we kind of got to be in that space and that was my purposeful plan. Uh, when I licensed this patent, I, I was introduced to the product on a Friday by Monday, I was on a flight to go meet the inventor and uh and work out a deal with him because i knew that this is exactly what i was looking for something that was relevant simple protectable you know and uh, and would have a growing market because it seemed like you know this is six years ago even back then the growth of smartphones was uh, exponential and it's just gone up even more so to offer a, an accessory product in that space was dream uh, to be able to have something that that could be demonstrated and, and provide real value instantly it's like an kind of the ultimate product. And so I knew it, I went for it. I had to pay handsomely to get it uh, a licensed deal. Um, and we still partner with the inventor. It's been great. And the cool thing about the, the structure there. Uh, so I license his intellectual property and he gets to go back to the workshop and he's guaranteed income percentage of whatever we sell. Well, that puts him in his strength in his sweet spot. So now he's gone back and he actually developed the automation equipment that we use to manufacture that makes American manufacturing even possible and cost effective. Um, I mean, it looks like a, the upstairs here at our facility in Texas is, uh, looks like the museum of John Murphy and the guy's, that's the guy's name because it's got all these cool little uh, robot machines that he's built, literally built in his basement that we, we use to make tens of thousands of, of high quality products every day. And, you know, as the, the benefit beyond the automation is that he's now gotten the workshop and he's developed new iterations of it. Ones with features that are going to really step the game up. And so from a functional side, we have a clear path to grow um, into the market and, and build out the phone stick on phone accessory category. Um, even though one of my competitors, uh, probably some of your listeners might even have this on their phone or their wife does or daughter, uh, those round pop out things, you know, they, those guys set records. They were number two on the fortune 5,000 last year at a $250 million in sales. And so it just shows that in, and that's a product that was invented to wrap earbuds around. Like our product was designed to be a grip. So how big is the market? Really? It's sort of this feels limitless uh, because there's more phones than humans. Um, our product in you know, needs replaced when you replace your case or your phone, or maybe it's just, you want a new style, so it's consumable. Um, and then now we're going to have different iterations, mounting systems, 
and uh, works works with wireless charging. So that's a big deal these days. So grow, going forward, I think that we're up to 38 employees by this by this time next year. I expect we'll we'll be to 60 to 80 total employees. I think we're going to have to add a different second facility. And uh, ultimately, I want to grow a brand that that lives up to the name Love Handle. That uh, so we're partnering with a lot of charities now, where uh, we'll create a collection for like you know let's say uh, Wounded Warriors Project, and so we'll create a line of patriotic um, phone grips where a huge portion of the proceeds from sales of those will go to that charity, and now people can sort of proudly show. Uh, their excitement for that, for that thing. And it's a win-win. And now, now we're sharing love with not, not only the charity, but the consumer's got a great product. They get to get opportunity to give, which is one of the most fulfilling things you can do in life. And so my goal is to build this into a brand that is about love. It's about sharing um, useful stuff, but at the same time, you know, uh, raising awareness and, uh, and, and resources for great organizations. Right. Yeah, that's awesome, Mike. That, that That's really cool because, you know, I, I think a lot of these organizations, uh, well, companies that have products, there's not really a why behind it. And it seems like with Love Handle, there, there is a, a definitive why behind it. It's to make a difference and make an impact in, in a huge way. And I, I think that's awesome. And I want to ask too, so like, it seemed like you developed, uh, or you had this product mindset uh, when it, in regards to the entrepreneur journey. Do you see as Love Handle as the, the final product of your career or do you expect to create something new down the road? Uh, it's, it's, I don't know, but <laughs> if you, uh, probably if I had to guess right now, I would say that I'm not going to launch another product um, mainly cause it's just so darn much work. Right. Uh, man, it's a lot of work, but it, it's super rewarding. Uh, I'm trying to scare anybody off, but it's, you know, it's a lot more work than you think, uh, even to take a little simple thing like this and push it into the marketplace. Uh, I think my next product, actually, the, the, the best product I can offer to the market before, you know, I punch my ticket and uh, move on from this life is that uh, I want to help other entrepreneurs to, uh, to believe and to see the dream and to, to, to learn from a little bit from my story, hopefully. And, uh, take the risks that it's going to take to really move ahead to make the wise choices in the short term so that you can enjoy in the long term. And I think that ties a lot back to what you're doing here, Brady, and that, you know, finances really can hold people back. If you're not deploying your, uh, what you're blessed with wisely um, and you're con constantly, you know, just have a consumer mentality and you're, uh, you know, you're not being smart about where your resources are going and investing and saving and paying down debt, then uh, you're going to end up a slave to just the system. And they won't allow you the freedom to pursue something, even if you found it, even if you found the product and you didn't have any resources saved up or you didn't have any, um, you know, you're too far in debt and you just can't afford to make that step, then it's a, that's a real problem. So I think by educating people, maybe, um, I, myself, me is the next product that I'll try to put out there. And I think you have to build yourself into a brand in order to get the credibility in order to get the ears, um, to share the story and the wisdom that I, that I want to give to the world. Right. Yeah. That that's awesome. And especially with like what I'm doing, I think too many, 
young entrepreneurs and maybe not even entrepreneurs, but, but young adults, mm-hmm. they don't have uh, enough financial literacy and they get themselves into holes. And that's what I hope to do through my journey is, you know, it, it's really easy for entrepreneurs to talk about how, how important it is to get out of debt and invest and save when they've already done it. But me going through this journey, I hope it can help someone know that someone is in the same hole or similar hole as they are and just follow along and educate yourself and stay diligent and disciplined and you can get yourself out. So that's definitely uh, my goal with all of this. And like your story, Mike is really inspiring too, because you know, it is all about taking risks and betting on yourself, but doing it responsibly and wisely. And that's something I've really been contemplating lately with this podcast and, you know, branching out into other areas of business that deal with personal finances. Like, you know, obviously I have this corporate America job and I need it to support my wife. But at the same time, you know, if I can wisely take a leap out of my comfort zone and do something that I'm truly passionate about, that's going to be huge. Definitely. And you're doing it the right way, right? So you still have your job and I, and I did too. I, that, that side hustle I talked about where we're hitting the shows on the weekend, I spent every weekend and, and night vacation day and even a few sick days, uh, out, you know, on my side hustle. And, and, and it finally got me to the point where I had enough money saved up. I had, you know, I had shows scheduled coming up so that even if this new invention I was licensing hadn't taken off, we weren't going to starve. We had a business that was operational enough for, to be our transitional safety net. So it's not like some one day I just said, I'm done, you know, take this job and shove it and walked out the door. You know, it wasn't like that. And, uh, you know, all these things, they take time to build up. And so having something on a side hustle of some kind, even if it's just something you're learning from, like uh, then I think that it's immensely valuable to to do that because otherwise you're just going to get, we're all habitual creatures. And if your habit is just to work, you know, work your time at at, at the office and then go home and, and uh, write those checks to the, to the debtors and, and then do it all over again. then that's where you're going to find yourself in 20 years. When Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't say it better myself. So I, I want to switch gears here for, for a final question as we will be in to wrap up. So as you're doing this side hustle and you're working your uh, corporate America job, did you ever find yourself in a really bad financial situation? And if so, what did you do to get out of that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was always touch and go, you know, it was, you know, even when there's, when you're running a business, even today, I'll be honest with you, it's cash flows tight because we're growing at a pace that is, um, it's challenged because we try to self fund our company. We're not, we don't owe anybody. Um, we're trying to, to fund it ourselves and not going to debt. I've partnered with my dad who's super conservative and built his, uh, him and my mom built a party rental business uh, with no debt as well. And it's a very successful business today. Um, but I would say that <clears throat> there was, there was one particular time that we were in the middle of a, of a lawsuit actually uh, where someone had early on had challenged us and uh, we had essentially run out of cash resources and uh, we had to, to really go around and find every, we had to sell everything we could sell in the warehouse for whatever we could get for it uh, to scrounge up enough money to defend the position that we were uh, taking, which was on the, the side of rightness or, you know, right. And, and we did that and uh, we just found a way, you know, it's just a, a lot of it comes down to belief 
if, if you really believe it and, and push forward, I, I believe that, that God will manifest your resources that you need. And that's, you know, when the people were traveling through the, you know, Israelites were traveling through the desert, they didn't have no food and God provided the manna for them. And I think that he'll do the same for us, but you have to, you know, have your heart kind of in the right place and know where you're headed. And when resources get thin, you need to be, you can't just sit around and, and wish that, that, that you had what it's going to take. You need to find a way and just keep pushing and, and don't give up. And if you don't give up, you're guaranteed to find success. Exactly. Yeah. That, that resonates with me a lot because you know, something I'm a huge believer in is tithing and me and my wife do that on a consistent basis. And you know, I'm a firm believer that God can do more with 90% than you can do with hundred percent. We tithe Definitely. 10% of our income. Definitely. And it's crazy. You know, like, like, like we've said before, like God rewards, you know, faithfulness, but he also rewards diligence. So, you know, me and my wife, are, we were broke. Uh, we were in a lot more debt than we are today. And, you know, she's still in school and, and we, it's, it's crazy. We would, we would always tithe and we would always find enough money in our checking account to get by. And we're thinking like, where is this coming from? Like, mm-hmm. there's no way that we have made enough money to have, to still have this much in our checking account, but we did. And it's like, it's just a mystery, but I believe God works in mysterious ways and he's going to reward those that are diligent and faithful. Yep. That's exactly right. So Mike, I really want to be respectful to your time. So we'll go ahead and start wrapping up. And, and this is really a cliche question, but your story is amazing and your diligence to be where you are today is amazing. So what's one piece of advice you can give to the young entrepreneurs that want to quote unquote, make it? Well, I would say that a few things I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say that, that you have to start today with something and that's something uh, needs to always begin with some sort of education for yourself. You know, education is not something that ends at college and it's not something that, that ends when you're, you get your first training at your first job. It's something that is continuous and, and ongoing and you need to always be trying to make yourself better. And that can be through, you know, think about what you, what you put in and how you spend your time. So what do you, what do you put into your mind? Are you listening to great podcasts like this that are helping you level up? and learn from people that have been successful? Um, or are you listening to things that are bringing you down? And the same thing, you know, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you investing your time with? And are those people leveling you up or down? Because if there's one thing's for sure, you're not staying the same. So you're either going up or down. And so you need to be very protective of the time that you have, because that's the one resource you can't get back and invest it in moving you and your your objectives and everything forward leveling up on knowledge because the fact is america is it rewards people who take risks and that is uh, even more true today the, the, the field has been leveled uh, because corporate america doesn't have the, the power that they used to have because they used to be able to hold information back and but now the internet's leveled that and you know, with us with a smartphone, you can have a business line and you can start a website in an afternoon. And so it's everything's at our fingertips. So, and with social media marketing direct uh, to consumers is is so much more effective, even than when we were doing infomercials and having to buy airtime on you know on Fox and who knows what who's watching that. But I in, instead I can now market my product specifically to the people who might be interested in it. And so all the tools are out there, but you know, 
we got to learn those nuances and the ball keeps moving and bouncing. And every time it changes, every time somebody changes the game, uh, it creates opportunity. And so we just have to sort of be out there in the game, put me in coach and learning and then acting on what we know in small, affordable steps. And you'll be surprised if you keep that up that you'll quickly become an expert in something and you'll quickly become um, skilled in something that you didn't know anything about or that you had ever done before. And you're going to find yourself in a much better position if you can keep that pattern up for the you know remainder of your life. Exactly. And I think consistent daily action is key there. Mm-hmm. And guys, just like Mike said, start today, continue to educate yourself. It doesn't stop when school ends level up your relationships and invest your time in things that push you forward. And one day you will have a product that is as successful as love handle. <laughs> yep. Well, Mike, appreciate your time, man. Where can we find you on social media? So uh, I spend uh, quite a bit of time on Instagram. So uh, you can hit me there. I'm at Mike Watts on Instagram. Uh, I'm all, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Mike Watts there. And uh, I do my, uh, Mike Watts show, which is kind of an experiment. It's, it's a good thing to do to put ourselves out there and try to learn. And so every Friday at noon on Facebook and Instagram, I try to go live uh, wherever I'm at in the world and uh, just kind of answer questions. So if you have questions about how to start a company or what to do, feel free to reach out to me there. You can also go to the MikeWattsShow.com and send me a, a message request there. Uh, I really do want to make myself available to people that are willing to to invest in themselves and try to level up. So feel free to connect and reach out to me. Awesome. Well, appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks so much. Appreciate you, Brady. Thanks for listening, guys. I post episodes every Monday and Thursday, and those are available on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, or any other major podcasting platform. So listen to us there. Give us a follow on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and let us know what you thought of the episode. We'll catch you next time.